BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I've got visions in my head. People tell me that I'm crazy. I tell them that's exactly it. I've got reasons for my absence. People tell me that I'm burn out. I tell them I'm not like the rest of us. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. I feel like I haven't talked to you guys in so long because the last, I think, five episodes were sent in first week of December. So I am just happy to be back talking to you guys. Happy 2022. What a crazy month we have had, guys, okay? I just got back from New York. I'm in Texas for four days. Tomorrow, I leave for LA. I'm there for a week. It's Dom's birthday. We're also recording, I think, like, between 10 to 15 episodes for the podcast next week. So I'm going to be absolutely exhausted, but I'm really excited. And I'm just, I'm feeling good about 2022, but I'm not going to lie to you guys. I have had such a slow week. I have been unbelievably exhausted. I don't have COVID. Don't worry. Um, I know that's where everyone's minds go to. Okay. I don't have COVID. It is a hormonal thing. Thank you very much. But I have been so tired. If you guys have had a little bit slower of a start to the year or just been feeling a little bit off. I feel like there's so much pressure at the beginning of every year for things to go perfectly, for you to, you know, achieve every single goal within the first week and set these like insane schedules. And I am here to tell you guys, it is okay if that has not been your reality. Rest is also productive. Taking care of yourself is productive. And yeah, if you guys haven't listened to the episode with Molly last week, I'm telling you, everyone needs to listen to that. I think that is one of my most helpful episodes that I've ever recorded because Molly is a gem. We are talking about just like, you are doing enough. You are doing your best. Not everything has to look like what everyone else's look, everyone else's like life looks like. Just having like a really healthy relationship with yourself, confidence. We're going in on self-compassion, which is something I personally am really working on. Um, so I think you guys will really enjoy it. Let's talk about a few things we are doing in 2022. First thing on the podcast, actually, well, not at the podcast, but we're bringing back book club, okay? But we're going to do it in a different way. We're going to do it on the Geneva app, which I talk about all the time. And we're actually going to talk about it a lot in today's episode. So we'll get to that. But if you guys haven't joined the Geneva app, you need to. There's like 2,000 of you guys in there. And it, there's different rooms too. So there's cities. If you guys are trying to make friends, I meet people out and about all the time who said they made so many friends in the Geneva app. Even at the bars, I meet you guys and you guys met in the Geneva app, which I love, okay? We also have room for books. So we're going to do a book club. All the information will be in there. Mid-February, we'll be recapping Colleen Hoover's newest book, which is coming out, I want to say the 19th. And it's called All Your Perfects, I think. I'm pretty positive. It's also going to be available on Audible, which is actually a new sponsor of the podcast, which is exciting. So I'll talk about that a little bit later in the episode. But we are bringing back book club, okay? The second thing we are no longer doing is walking on eggshells. I talked about this in a recent vlog, but I am so excited, not excited. Well, I am excited to no longer be doing this, but I'm so over walking on eggshells at all times. I just want to be me. I'm not going to make myself smaller to appease internet trolls. And you guys shouldn't either, even in your everyday life, okay? The world has just become so intense and so crazy. And it has resulted in, for me personally, I think I've just become very, like way too aware, like self-aware to the point where I overanalyze everything I do and I really hold back. 
we're no longer doing that, okay? We're no longer walking on eggshells. But you know what we are doing? We're doing things to make ourselves proud, okay? So that is my new rule for life almost. Like I will make my decisions based off of making myself proud and not appeasing random internet trolls that don't matter anyways. Another thing we are doing in 2022 is getting hobbies, okay? I love reading, I love cooking, and now I've decided I'm gonna become a horse girl. I live in Texas, it's now or never, all right? I love horses, I love going riding. I went riding last week, actually, fun fact, you know? I, you know, go on a horse once and I think I'm Bella Hadid, but that doesn't matter. What matters is that we are getting hobbies, okay? So I hope you guys are having a fabulous 2022 so far. Today's episode is with Kim Johnson of Geneva. She's head of community at Geneva, and I'm actually almost positive that is her job title, but she was also head of community at Glossier. We're talking about her life in like corporate, creating like digital communities, how she saw um, the community she created at Glossier, in my opinion, is what blew up the brand. So I think community is so powerful. One of my favorite things, actually my favorite thing about what I do is the community that we have built. There is nothing I love more than the community that we have built. And I really think that's the future of digital. I think that's the future of brands. I think it's an invaluable asset to have. And so it was so great to get to sit down and talk to Kim about it as someone who is, I mean, there's no one who knows more about community than this woman, in my opinion. She is absolutely incredible and she's also brilliant. So you guys are going to love this episode, especially those of you who have wanted me to have someone on who has more of a, you know, quote, like traditional job, isn't like an entrepreneur. I think, you know, having someone on with, well, I guess traditional would be the word, but more of like a nine to five who's just a boss and is killing it, um, who can give like resume tips and things like that. That's what we're doing in today's episode. So I hope you guys enjoy. We're really all over the place. But yeah, love you guys so much. And let's get into the episode. Hello, I'm so happy to have you here. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for this. So fun. You have such a cool career path. Thanks. And I want to talk about that because there's a lot of girls that listen to this that are very driven love everything that you've ever worked with, worked on. So let's just take it back. Actually, what were you like as a kid? I love that question. I was an extremely shy, like painfully shy kid, Uh which I think I was talking to someone else who like does community stuff. And she was like, oh, I also was like a painfully shy child. And I don't know what there is there, but I think there's There's something there. Yeah. So I was like a painfully shy child. I was like super observant or, you know, observative, whatever. But I wasn't, I just wasn't like super social. Like I would have preferred to be like with my family. Like I had like a few close friends, but I just wasn't a super social kid. But I was very into like I was a big reader. Love I'm saying people. Like I love people, but I, I I wasn't a social person. I was more of an observer of people. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why I was like a big reader. I was you know adventurous in certain ways. Like I really wanted to travel. I started traveling and like doing like little like you know those like kid travel groups that you go on. Yeah. I started doing that like when I was pretty young. Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah. I didn't know anyone who did that when we were younger. Yeah, I went to like China when I was like twelve. By myself. How did you do that? What was it through? <laughs> it was through this thing called People of People. I don't even know if they exist anymore, but if they do, I've done like EF yeah. trips, like those group trips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, kind of similar, except it's like you don't know any of the kids when you go. They're all like from your neighborhood, but or from your you know area. I'm from like the DC area in Maryland, but I didn't know any of the kids. I went to China for like three weeks when I was 12. That's crazy. My parents were like, later, enjoy. Which is like not, you know, kind of different, but yeah. But I mean, other than that, I like was just like a quiet reading girl. What did you want to do when you were older? I really didn't know. I, you know, I went through the things that kids go through where they're like, I want to be an actress or I want to be a singer. You know, I feel like every every kid like goes through that because, you know, we watch that. So oh, yeah. no, I want to be a Disney star. Yeah, yeah. of course. Like, hello. <laughs> but I really I didn't know what I wanted. And I actually think as I got further, like as I became a high schooler and as I like started to go to college, I actually had this like anxiety about this idea that I didn't know what I didn't know when it came to like working in my career. Like I felt like I started to have friends who were like, I'm a photographer or like I'm a this. And they like had their thing and it was their passion and it was what they were going to do or I'm a writer. And I was like, I don't know which one of these things is mine. And it was stressful. The idea that I didn't know what was even out there that, that I could do. And maybe my thing was there, but I had no idea what it was. So I had a lot of like anxiety about that in my like later teens. And it's funny because that was actually true. Like I didn't know 
that the work that I was doing, that I've started doing was even a thing because it wasn't really a thing when I was like in, you know, in high school or in college. That's so true for so many people. Yeah. Think about the jobs that exist now. I know. That didn't like three Completely. or four years ago. I know. Like, let alone, you know, the idea of having anything digital, even apps like 20 years ago, you know, I know totally different. I know. I think that that's honestly one of the things that I'm most excited about with like where things are going right now is just how many people are like making new careers. Like, I feel like we're in a space, particularly today, where people are creating for the like online in a way that they just haven't before. And so many things are opening up with that. And like industries are completely changing because of that. And I think it's really, I think we're just in like such a moment. And I think there's going to be a lot to come in the next like two years. It's really cool to watch. It is. It is. You kind of like feel like you have to keep up though. You're like, oh, sh- yeah. what's new? You know, In one way, it's really encouraging. In the other way, it's almost like debilitating. Yeah, because you're like, oh my God, I need to read like 45 yeah. substacks. No, literally. Okay, so how did you decide like education-wise and then post-grad? Yeah, yeah so I knew that I wanted to be in New York. Yeah. And so I went to Barnard, which is women's college, kind of like part of the Columbia University world. So we're across. It was interesting. I mean, you know, it's Barnard and Columbia have a really interesting relationship. Like it's its own school. It's very small, but it's directly across the street from the university. Every class that you take at Barnard probably has Columbia students in it. Most Columbia classes have Barnard students in them. So it's like very kind of like connected in that way. And socially, it's pretty connected, but it still feels like its own unique experience. Like I knew I wanted to go there and I didn't want to go to Columbia just because of the community there and like, you know, things like that just felt like my people. But yeah, I wanted to be in New York. I wanted to be in a small school. I couldn't imagine myself at like an NYU where I felt like I might get kind of like I might like drown, you know, because I was still I mean, I'd come out of my shell by that time. but I was still like a little bit shy. And so I, I went to I went to Barnard and I, I studied English because I was a reader. So I was like, I didn't think that's a natural choice. I, I really loved school. I feel like I like found a lot of myself there and I like found an incredible community there. And then I started interning, which is kind of like how my career path started. My first internship was at Into the Gloss. That is so OG. Yeah, it was really OG. It was like three people in a loft. It was so fun, so cool. And I like learned so much. Let's talk about that. Like, what was it like watching? For those of you who don't know, Into the Glosses, where like Glossy came from, that was like the, yeah. it, that's what it became. Yeah. What was it like watching that progression and that growth? Honestly, something that I couldn't appreciate at the time, like what I was watching, because, you know, you're so young and it was my first experience. In, you had nothing to compare it to. I had nothing to compare it to. And I remember like, my parents and like people in my life being like, oh my God, like you're going to look back on this time and be like, I can't believe that I got to see the progression of this. And I didn't really appreciate it, honestly, until I like fully left Glossier. And I was like, oh my God, it's insane how much happened in that span of seven years. But it was incredible. I mean, when I started there, it was like three people, you know, editorial, It was really fun, like interviewing a ton of different people. And I was like transcribing these like amazing interviews. And, you know, we had like this incredible product closet of like Mm -hmm. unreal products. And then I I left to go home the summer. That summer was like the summer after my sophomore year, I guess. And I started working at Refinery29 because at the time they had, they had, I don't remember, know if you remember this, they had city sites where it was like, they had like a Dallas site, they had yeah. a DC site, they had like a New York, Boston, et cetera. And the sites were like totally focused on the city. I don't think they have that anymore. I don't know how well that like worked for them. But so I worked for the DC editor at Refinery29 That's when there cool. was a DC site. And I just wrote, I, that was all I did, which was a great experience, taught me that i didn't want to be a writer. I was like, okay, this isn't for me. At least that style of writing wasn't for me. Were you just going to like restaurants, like bars? Yeah, it was kind of like I would get like, she would give me a pitch that she wanted me to write and I would write it. And it was fun. It was like a real, you know, to be, I guess, like 19 or 20 and doing that was really cool. And then I went abroad. I, I studied abroad in Paris and then I came back to ITG to Into the Gloss. The spring of my 
junior year. And so when I had come back, it had been basically like nine months or something. And they were like, you know, on the hush hush, like, hey, we're like starting a brand. And we were like just getting started. It was still very much about Into the Gloss, but it was like, you know, they had one person on the side who was like working on products. And I really, I, at the time, I really didn't know. I was like, I don't even know. I didn't know what she was doing for like <laughs> for a good like month. And then, then yeah, I learned that and it was cool. It was, you know, it, it happened very, in a way that felt very organic, mm-hmm. you know, to me and it made so much sense. And yeah, so I just started to see that blossom. And then about nine months later, I guess, October, I came back in January and October is when Glossier launched. So about, yeah, 10 months later. What was your actual position? So I was an intern for, you know, while I was in school. I was an editorial intern. And then I was like, okay, I don't think I, I think I want to try something different. So I was like, I want to do marketing. I had this idea, like I had no idea what marketing was. Like, I feel like a lot of people don't when you're young and you're like, you know, think something is one thing and then it's another. So I was like, I want to do marketing. So I think I have to leave. And I ended up staying because what I did was I started working for the woman who did ad sales for Into the Gloss. And so she would work with like Chanel and Sephora and do the ad stuff for them that was on the site. And I started working for her because I wanted to try something different. And she was amazing. I love her. She was like, you know, really like a first mentor for me. So by the time I was a senior, I was basically, I was like almost full-time working in ads, which I loved my boss, but I was like, oh, this is not the thing for me. Like, this is not what I want to be doing. And so then when I graduated, started doing ads full-time for like a month. (laughs) And then Into the Gloss got rid of ads as a thing for them because it didn't make sense because Glossy had launched and, you know, they're a brand at that point. And so I was like, oh, shit. Like, I was like, what am I like going to do? I was like just fresh out of college. I had a job. And then it was like I wasn't going to have a job. And I just like spent time with, you know, honestly, I like shadowed our creative director at Glossy. I shadowed customer experience. I shadowed like all these different teams. It was so like in retrospect, it was so cool and so formative and so unique to have that kind of experience. And then, you know, what ended up happening was that we realized we talked about community, but no one actually did community. No one owned that. And so I, Emily was like, I think you should do it. And I was like, cool, I'm into that. I like the idea of that. We have a new sponsor on the show today. And let me just tell you how perfect it is. We are talking about Audible today, okay? Speaking of book club, guys, we are talking about Audible today. I love Audible. I think it is one of the greatest inventions ever. And let me tell you why. So Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment all in one place, okay? So at Audible, you can find the largest selection of audiobooks, ranging from bestsellers and new releases to celebrity memoirs. They also have original entertainment from top celebrity creators and thousands of popular and binge-worthy podcasts. As an Audible member, you will get one credit every month for any title in their entire premium selection. So that means the latest bestseller, the busiest new release, the hottest celebrity memoir, like you really need to check out Open Book by Jessica Simpson, one of my tops, or that bucket list title you've been meaning to pick up. Those titles are yours to keep forever in your Audible library. You also get full access to their Popular Plus catalog. And that is filled with thousands and thousands of audiobooks, original entertainment, guided fitness and meditation, sleep tracks for better rest and podcasts, including ad-free versions of your favorite shows and exclusive series. All are included with your membership so you can download and stream all you want, no credits needed. So basically everything you love to listen to is all in one app and new members can try Audible for 30 days on us. Visit audible.com slash IOYSM or text IOYSM to 500-500. I'm a little bit biased, but I would love for y'all to join our book club, okay? And we are reading All Your Perfects by Colleen Hoover and it will be available on Audible, all right? Listen, I'm telling you, last time, okay? Visit audible.com slash IOYSM or text IOYSM to 500-500. All right, guys, let's get back to the episode. Hey, guys, it's me, Christelle Lim, co-founder and CMO of Bumo. As a busy working parent myself, I felt like there was a lack of options for parents and I personally needed more support. So that's what we're doing here on Being Bumo. We're here to make your life easier, a little less stressful, and help you navigate through this complex thing called parenting. So subscribe now to Being Bumo at applepodcast.com slash beingbumo or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Oh, gotta go. See you guys soon. And from my perspective and my opinion, yeah. community is what made Glossier. Like that was the difference. It made people feel like they're a part of things, even yeah. from like the posting and whatever. Like even like nasty gal days when yeah. Sophia made packaging look good. And then that was like obviously free promotion. It's like, I think the next thing was the community. So what were the things, one, how did you guys notice that? Because I feel like Glossier was really the first to really make community around a brand, at least to the scale, the, the level that they have. Yeah. But what were also like things that, what were the things that you noticed that made you guys want to actually like dive more into community? I think that community was always at the core of the company, right? Like it's kind of wild because what I realized after I left was how full circle my my experience was there. I started at Into the Gloss because I loved ITG, partially because I loved the comment section. Like mm -hmm. everyone who like was a reader of ITG back in the day knew the comment section was like literally a party. Like people would, you knew certain commenters because they were always there and like there was always amazing conversation. You would get some of the best product recommendations. I loved that. Like I loved the personality that existed there. And I think so many people loved that. And so I think that kind of carried over into how we saw the products. Like what we knew was that that the people who are talking about products here are the people that we need to be, you know, catering towards. It's not like the famous person whose interview it is. And so I think it was always just a core part of the brand. And, you know, I, I do think that community is one of those things. I mean, you know, we can talk about this, but it's such a catch-all. Like, I think it's a word that has so much meaning, but also can have like no meaning at the same time. Let's talk about this. Yes. Yeah, we should definitely talk about that. But I think that the feeling of something being for you is a big part, especially for brands, of what makes community. And I think from the beginning, that brand had this feeling of like, being for you or me in a way that other brands just didn't at the time. And so that was a big piece. It's just like a through line of everything about the products, messaging, the packaging, all of that. And, you know, so when we started building community in a real way, it was so organic because people already felt this affinity for the brand in a way that they just didn't for other brands. And there was such a desire for connection, right? And like, especially in the early days, like so many people would tell me like, I'm the glossy girl of my friends. Like I tell all my friends what to buy from glossy or I'm the beauty girl of my friends. And that was, I mean, that that's key, right? Like the pe the need and the want was already there. And so it was just figuring out how do we how do we create space for this and like actually bring people together in ways that that matter and that are impactful? What were some of the biggest like successful things as far as like making space for that? Yeah. So I think there were a few things. I think one of the first things that I did in my time there, I hosted this event for a bunch of our customers in New York. And it was literally like pizza and wine in our what was our showroom at the time. And it was like 40 people, wasn't that many people. And they were testing out what would be the new balm flavors. This was literally when there was one balm.com. Yeah. And like we were getting like, I think rose and cherry and mint. And, you know, we had this little event. People were testing these new products, meeting, having pizza. And I remember because I was like, try I had somewhere to travel after this event. And I couldn't get people to leave. <laughs> I was like, y'all, I love y'all, but y'all have to go. Yeah. I, got, I literally have a train to get on. And that was so amazing because it was like at that moment that it was so clear how many connection points there were between the people who were here. Like the fact that someone came up to me that night and was like, I just met my best friend, I feel like here. That's insane. You know, like when do you go to events really where that, where you have that kind of feeling of connection? So that was massive for us because it, it led to after that, you know, everyone wanted to stay connected. And so I was like, how do I connect people? I could create a Facebook group, but that feels like I wasn't really into that. Yeah. Just felt kind of like old. Yeah, yeah, just felt kind of old. And that wasn't like, this was in 2015. And so I, I made a Slack because, which is, is normal now, but at the time it was like, I literally, when I was emailing people about the, the Slack, I had to send them a link to Slack's about page because like, like literally people were, they were yeah. like, we don't know what Slack is. Yeah. So I made it on Slack because it just felt like 
the better alternative, really, which is that kind of that space really blew up and we continued to add people and it just, you know, people were having meetups, people were sharing career advice, like it, it blossomed from beauty to so many other pieces of life, motherhood, career, because I think that's what happens in things that are so personal, like beauty, right? Yeah. And I think that event and that Slack were two of the most, for me and in the way that I understood how you know, what is important about community, they were so formative because one, that event and the simplicity of it, like for me, like I'm not someone who personally loves to go to like super fancy produced events. Like the simplicity of that made it what it was. Like if it was a super produced event, it would have felt so different than if it was, you know, than what it was, which was just like pizza and wine in a little room. (laughs) Like, not a big show. And that was something that we definitely carried through as we did more events down the line. And then the Slack was like, you know, it was just this incredible moment of, you know, creating space for people to, you know, have conversations with people that they just felt an inherent trust with because there was this connection point through the brand. And for us, and this is what I always used to tell people, it's like, when you as a brand or as a person or organization can become the facilitator of the connection, but not necessarily the focus, that's like incredible, right? Like it wasn't like we were there forcing people to talk about the brand. It was like people were talking about the brand. Maybe they're talking about a product they love. Maybe they're talking about a product they don't love. That's cool. That's good for us to know, you know, but they're also talking about other things that they use or asking for recommendations or talking about how they're caring for their plants or all of these different, all of these different things. And that the power of like the connection through beauty became very, very clear, very early on because of those things. I think that is, it's so important. And it also is a relatively new thing. Like I love brands that make you feel apart. Set Active is a very good example as well. Yeah. They've done a great job with community. I always tell that, like, Lindsay, that that's the number one question when I'm with her. I'm like, how did you do that? And it's always, like, paying attention. I think people are so focused. It doesn't matter if you're a brand. It doesn't matter if you're an influencer, podcaster, whatever it is, on growing it rather than paying attention to what you have and, like, stewarding that well. And, like, that's such a good example. It's like, okay, there's 40 people, but that has turned into something massive because you were investing into the 40 people. Yeah. And I think, like, everyone misses that. You know, like, you forget that that's actually a big deal. I talk about that all the time because I think, you know, I'll talk to people who'd be like, okay, you know, I'm in my early days. Like, I want to build a community. And their first question is, how can I grow it? And I'm like, well, who's there? Mm -hmm. Like, who's there? Like, what are the relationships like? You know, how deeply connected are you to the people who are already there? Because I think one of the things that that brands or, or, you know, people who have influence or organizations really have to recognize and like have to hold true is how fortunate it is to have people who care enough to take part in what you're doing. Like we live in a world with so much choice, right? Like you can buy from wherever you want to buy. You you can like go wherever you want to go. You, you don't have to be loyal to or care about any brand or, you know, person or organization that comes into your life. And when that does happen, it is so important that you like cherish that. And even as you get bigger, you know, and I think that is is one of the most important things about community is like focusing on how do I like cherish and nurture the relationships that are here? Because undoubtedly, if you do that, those people are going to bring five more friends. Right. And that was that's like what happened with Glossier. It was like everyone wanted to tell their friends about this brand because it felt like them and they felt like a stakeholder in it in a real way. And yeah, I think that's the most important thing about building a real community. What do you think is the biggest mistake besides ignoring the community you already have that either brands or like personalities make? Hmm. I think it's probably that. Besides that, biggest mistake. I think there's an idea that, you know, community is like easy or Mm -hmm. it's like a soft part of the business, you know, or that it's like just building relationships and talking to people. And it, you know, it is a lot of that. But I think that community, you know, it can, I mean, there's so many difficult things about it. One, it takes time to build community, right? Like it takes time to build real connections between people, just like, you know, and it literally is like relationships, right? And so it's like, when you put a bunch of people together and you start to build connections between them, 
that's amazing. But like those relationships and those connections to you as a brand or a person or an organization to each other, those take time. So I think that's one piece. But I, I, I think also, you know, especially when you're a community manager or, you know, community person at a company or a brand or an organization, it can be really hard to be kind of like the in-between person because essentially a big part of your role is to be voice of the people to the company and the voice of the company to the people. And that can be a hard place to be in, right? Because if there's things that people don't like, they will come to you. Yeah. You know, there's things people love, they'll come like to you. And buffer. that's the best part. Yeah. yeah. The best part is like when everyone loves things and you get to hear it and you get to like hear all of the love that people have for this thing. But it's hard when people don't like things and they're like, hey, you're you're our girl for this. So yeah, it's on you. But, but I think that that is, you know, that that those things make community tricky and, and difficult. And, you know, I guess relationship between like where you work and your personal and like your life and all of that is hard when you're actually like your whole job is about people's real relationships with your company or, or your business. But I think that also makes it, makes it really special. It just depends on how you look at it. I don't know about y'all, but I feel like I have kind of forgotten how to dress in the past two years. I have been all over the place and I will look in my closet or even at stores and just get really overwhelmed and confused. And I'm not kidding. It feels like I have forgotten how to put a look together. Okay. So that is why I'm really excited to be talking about Macy's today. It is the new year, which means it is time to leave the I have nothing to wear rut back in 2021. Luckily, Macy's makes rediscovering your style effortless with their personal stylist who can help you find your look for free, no matter how long ago you think you might have last seen it. Visit macy's.com slash personal stylist to connect with a style expert today. Guys, this is incredible. You can literally go to macy's.com slash personal stylist and you can work to rediscover your style with their personal stylist literally for free, guys. That is absolutely incredible. I love Macy's. They have everything you could ever need. We are leaving our style confusion, our style exhaustion even in 2021. All right, guys, when you don't know what to wear, you've been overwhelmed, you know, no, no longer that is a 2021 thing. In 2022, we are working with our personal stylist from Macy's. So again, macy's.com slash personal stylist. Let me know the looks you guys pick out. Post them on Instagram. Tag me in your stories. I want to see. Um, hope you guys are enjoying the episode. And let's get back to it. Let's talk about Geneva. So at what point did you, like, let's start from day one of the idea. Mm -hmm. I So I actually got connected to the team building Geneva. Initially, it was, like, super, super small very early days through like friend of a friend. And I met our founder and at the time Geneva didn't have a name. He was like, this is what we're trying to do. And we're starting to design it. It was like super early days. I think it was in May, 2019. And I was just so excited about it. One, from a utility perspective, because literally he was like, I know that you've built Glossier's community on Slack. And that is so fascinating to me because Slack is literally not a product for that. And it's crazy that there is not a product that serves that. And I was like, yes, like peaking my interest. Agreed. Agree. And I was just so excited about this vision of like, you know, building a product that is, you know, has all of the utility of the products that we know and love today, the chat products, the like workplace tools, all of those things, but that is like fully and fundamentally focused on being a place for communities. And I was just so into it. And I was like, okay, I, you know, don't know if you guys will make it. I don't know what will happen, but I'm like very into this. And so I stayed connected with them. And I was talking to the team like every month, just hearing the updates, like what's new, what's going on, seeing the prototypes, like the whole, the whole shebang. And then the pandemic happened and, you know, life was weird and crazy and I, I had been at that point at Glossier for seven years total, three years, no, two years as an intern, five years leading community. And I was ready for something new. You know, it was all that I knew. And I really wanted to get into the like world of community and tech because I just felt like that is a space that is just going to blow open. And I mean, it, it is. Um, 
And, you know, by the time that happened, it was just kind of this like perfect alignment in the summer of, of 2020 when I started, you know, talking to Justin again after, you know, a few months after the pandemic first started. And it just, I was like, this makes so much sense. Like I already loved the team. I loved the vision and they were starting to really like make something happen. And, and it just felt like such a natural fit. It is such a great tool if you are like digital. Yeah. I have told literally everyone that I know about it that does the same thing. It's so helpful. I will be out at the bars and I yeah. meet girls that are in like, even just like the Dallas group chat. And they're like, yeah. oh my God, we met through your app or not through your app, but like through yeah. your chat or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, it really makes the biggest difference. I had been on Facebook, like I had a Facebook group forever and I still have it. I just, I couldn't even tell you the last time I like went on it ever since I downloaded Geneva because it really has made such a big difference. I'm such a like community person, but you can't really do that. Like, I mean, you can, I guess, but like Instagram comments are not the same thing as having like, like different rooms and like essentially like a big group chat, you know, it's just truly made such a big difference. Like I actually love it. I literally tell everyone about it. The girl who was here before, I was like, are you on Geneva? (laughs) I'm like, at this point, I am the spokesperson. It is, it's really helpful, but it's also... Like I, from day one, have always wanted, like I care, like community first. That's like what I care about when it comes to like the entirety of my following. Yeah. And it is something that actually allows for it. And it's insane that it didn't exist before. I know. I know. Slack was not the right, like Slack is like work. So when you go on Slack, you think work or like school. Yes. And so it's incredible what you guys did with it, but this is just so much better. First of all, that warms my whole heart. You've like made my day. (laughs) Um, But... Also, I mean, yeah, I think, you know, what you said about social media is super interesting. I'm like very, I think that in the next year, it's going to be so interesting to see how this evolves because I think there are so many people, especially young women, building really meaningful spaces, social media first, because it's the it's the most accessible tool yeah. to do so. But they're building spaces around like mental health, wellness, you know, things that are just like, community oriented at their nature and haven't had the tools or like the resources or infrastructure to actually like build real community through the content that they've built for an audience. Right. And I think, you know, my hope and and very much our mission is that we can be the place for all of those people who are doing, who are creating really cool spaces and conversations online and want to actually bring those one layer deeper and want to actually facilitate real conversation between the people who care about the stuff they're talking about. Right. And where, whereas, you know, on social media, you kind of have to create the content or tell the story to the people and get the response as opposed to letting people start the conversation themselves. Yeah. And it's, I'm like, so over myself. And (laughs) so it's like nice that it's not always like based off of something that I am putting out there. Like I think you have to make it bigger than you. Yeah. And so that has been, it's been so helpful and it's just, I don't know. It's so nice. Like even we had like a Dallas happy hour with Geneva. Yeah. And first off, we didn't realize it was happy hour time. It wasn't really actually supposed to be like a happy hour time. We didn't set up. And the drinks were like $2. It was actually <laughs> insane. Total side note. We had no idea what? when we got there how cheap it was going to be. Had no idea. Anyways, it was a really That's great amazing. time. That's amazing. And the next week I'm getting like DMs of girls like out at dinner together and the number one, I don't know if it's because I move or if I talk about how I love my friends all the time. I don't know what it is. The number one question I get is like, how do I make friends in a new city? And that's why we have like different rooms and stuff. And I'm like, honestly, like, whereas before, even though I didn't love the Facebook groups, my like, podcast, Facebook groups, like you have something that you have in common. There's typically people who live there and like are new to the city and want to make friends. And now I'm like, it's in my Geneva chat. Like I meet people all the time out and about who met through the app. And it's just so helpful. Yeah. I mean, literally our, like, that's like our entire mission. Mm -hmm. That's it. And I think, you know, I'm just really excited about how many people are like creating like new spaces online, you know, whether it's like a queer book club, which, you know, we have this incredible queer book club called Safflet on Geneva that's grown to like, I think like 2,500 people around the world now, or like a space around centered around periods, right? Like there are so many different kinds of conversations that people care to have and want to have, right? And social media has started that to a certain degree because they get to now 
you know, follow and take part in certain conversations that are happening there, but they want to actually have deeper conversations and be able to ask a question, right? Or be able to like go one layer deeper with people or connect with a person because they said something that really resonated with them. And we're living in a world where like that opportunity and like that opportunity for connection is so incredible because we haven't, we have it in a way we haven't had it before. But I think the tools, you know, historically and was my experience when I was trying to build a community for Glossier just weren't really there. They didn't meet people where we were. And so, you know, our goal is that we can, we can do that. It's going to be so interesting to see even in the next two years, the digital landscape, Yeah, because you think about in recent years, it's been different social platforms popping up like TikTok, obviously 10 years ago, YouTube then versus now, like it's so different. But I think like community builders like that's where it's gonna have to head because like you can gain as many followers as you want but like that doesn't necessarily equate to something also if you're trying to make your brand like I don't know like higher value or like convert better or even not that that's what it's about but like again it's community like everything goes back to community even the purchases that I make it's pretty much always like my friends brands or people that I follow online that I love and I feel a part and so it's like that stuff actually one, it's the most fulfilling. And two, it actually really matters business-wise. I don't think like you can really have a brand and have the success anymore without the community. And I think like Glossier changed that, you know? Yeah. I think that, you know, it's so interesting what you said about like the, the digital landscape. One of the things we talk about a lot is that I feel extremely strongly and maybe I'll be proven wrong, but I feel extremely strongly that like in the next year and a half, we're going to see this new identity of like a community creator really start to be, you know, kind of the evolution of content creator, right? Like YouTube created the term content creator, which is kind of incredible, right? Because they created a space and an identity that was net new on the internet. And I think that we're going to start to see that with people who build communities online, right? And, and I think it's, you know, to your point, it's not going to be about audience, but it's going to be about you know, how does your community reach people? Who's there? And like what kinds of conversations are happening? And, you know, I think we're going to have this new kind of role and new kind of identity online. And I'm really excited about it. And I think, you know, when, when I think about like, who is so inspiring, who's doing this already, it's like, literally you and like, okay, sis, and, you know, Nina, who started Safflet, like, it's all these young women who are just like facilitating the important conversations, right? And I think, I'm excited to see how it happens. I I think and hope and believe that like, you know, hopefully we can be the place for a lot of those people to start building. But yeah, I think we're, you know, we're at the kind of like precipice of a really interesting moment. It's so interesting. And even I think people also get confused. I look at like a influencer and even having friends who are on like the brand perspective. We had this conversation the other day and obviously, I mean, not I guess not obviously, but For those who don't know, engagement in general is what brands really look for. It's not necessarily your following. So I think people look at me and like my life and are confused because I don't have like a million subscribers. And I'm like, it's not really about that. It's about the community that you build. And now like people were doing that. We did that without having like a tool necessarily. Like we had like social platforms that were really created for actually making a community beyond yourself. Yeah. And so now I think it's a very interesting thing. And I do think it's where it's heading. Also, you look at people like even Tinks who grew, like who was blown up. Tinks Tinks. is a very good example of someone who has built a community, you know? And it's like anyone, any influencer that I'm following, any brand that I'm like keeping up with, it is always the people who are creating community that I actually follow long-term rather than just like, oh, like that's interesting or like, I want to buy that. It's always people that I keep up with are those who are building community. Even if I'm not like, I'm not a part of like Tinks's community. You know what I mean? But it's like, I love watching her and keeping up because she's so engaged with her audience and makes it bigger than herself. Yeah. And that's, I think where like the future is. Yeah. I completely agree. I love Tinks. And I think, you know, it's, it's, it's about the engagement with people, but it's also about like the level of trust. Like, when you're doing something that feels like, you know, it almost feels like, you know, this is for us, right? Like there's like a niche element to it. That's so powerful because people are like, yeah, you speak to me. And so I trust you. I trust your recommendations. I trust the things that you talk about. But then also when you build a community around it, it's like, there's an, an element of trust that just kind of exists between those people too, that I think doesn't necessarily exist if you're just 
you know, being engaged with something for convenience, right? Or just mm-hmm. because it's there. So yeah, I think I, I'm really, I'm like super excited about the future of this because I think, I think we're just kind of, you know, getting started really. I agree. It's very exciting. I want to talk a little bit with you to end off the episode on like career tips. Yeah. Because there's so many girls who follow and are like, exci- like post-grad looking to, you know, would kill to have worked and had like the resume that you've had. What would be your like, I know this is like so vague and difficult, but like your best career tip. And then also maybe some like practical, like interview, like a resume type tips. Yeah. My first career tip would be to go with the thing that you love over going with the thing that you think has, you know, more pull or more name recognition because you never know what it will turn into. I did that when I was in college, like I started at ITG, you know, all the girls like wanted the Teen Vogue internship. Like that was a thing at the time. And, you know, I remember there was this evolution of, you know, I would tell people like, oh, I I interned for this place called Into the Gloss. And some people would be like, oh my God. And some people would be like, never heard of it. Right. And then, you know, it was like, oh, I I work in this place called Glossier. And then, you know, I remember the transition of people being like, oh, cool. To people being like, oh my God. And like not having to like you know, put a descriptor to the brand. And I think that started with just like, you know, wanting to intern somewhere that I loved and I believed in first and foremost, as opposed to just like interning somewhere for name recognition. So that I would really recommend. And then the second thing that I would say is I do think that Cole, I don't, I don't know. I feel like this is kind of like people have, you know, hot takes on this, but I believe that like, if you are interested in a person or a company or something like that, you should reach out to them like cold over DMs on LinkedIn, on email. Like that's how I got my first job. And I, I think that also the person who responds to you and is like, yeah, like let's chat. That's a person that you're also just going to want to know because that person is like cares enough to take time out of their day to say like, yes, you are, you reached out to me and I want to support or help it however I can. Maybe it won't be a job there, but it could be something else. Right. And my, my mom always recommended to me, she was always like, you need to have a Rolodex. And she was talking about a real Rolodex, which I obviously don't have, but you know, I get the picture. She was like, you need to have a Rolodex of like all the people that you meet and like, you know, keep their emails, keep their phone numbers, like make sure that you have you know, a list of the people who have come into your life or your career, you know, one off and, and, you know, try to keep up with them. And I could be better at it, but like I started taking her advice later than I would have liked. What does that look like keeping up with them? Literally, it's like, I have this little like sheet in my notes, my notes app, Mm -hmm. where I have like people's name, I have their email address. And then I have like how we met and just like our first conversation, little notes. And so if I'm ever like, need something or if I'm, you know, even stuck on something and I have a question and I need to figure out like who could, who could actually like help me, you know, answer this or help me think about this. It's amazing. It's an amazing way to like, you know, just continue conversations with people. Or if I'm in a city that I I know a person in, right. Like I met so many people when we were doing a bunch of international stuff at Glossier, like that kind of thing is really incredible. And I kind of laughed it off when my mom said it when I was like very early in my career. And now I'm like, I wish I had done that earlier. And then the other question you had was like, Resume interview tips. Resume interview tips. I don't have resume tips. I'm going to be honest. I don't think my resume is very good. I, I, my friends use a resume writer and I recommend that. Like use some, like use someone who's, who's a pro. Interview tips. You know, I think interview tips are just, my biggest thing when I'm hiring people, I, you know, I don't care if you're just fresh out of college or you're like 10 years into your career. I love people with vision. Like those are the kind of people that I want on my team. I want people who have an idea for what they want to be doing, how they see, you know, the future broadly, how they want their work to impact that. And I think that if you can convey that, if you can convey vision, conviction in your beliefs, right? recognizing, yeah, like, you know, you're ready to be wrong or you're ready for things to change or, you know, that for things to not go exactly how you plan and to be flexible. But I think that like vision and conviction is so essential. And I think that if you, the more you like flex that muscle, especially as a young woman in a workplace, it it, it is just 
like so powerful in terms of like the impact that you can have because there are a lot of people, you know, regardless whether you're a woman, whoever, like no one's going to have the perspective that you have, you know, and come to the table with the perspective that you have. And, you know, if you, if you can do that and really like think about like, what is, what do I want my work to do? And what do I want my work to be? And how do I make sure that I like stand up for that in the work that I do every day or in the conversations that I have going into that work, right? In interviews, I think that's powerful. And I think everyone sees that. I think vision when hiring people is that's the number one, the two people that I have working with me, that was like my deciding factor on hiring them. And like this drive, but that especially was like, that is exactly what I was looking for. Someone who like, they saw more than I did even, yeah. you know, and like yeah. expanded on that. I thought yeah. that was really good. Totally. Cause I think if you have vision and conviction in your ideas and your thoughts, then you, ha- then you should probably have drive, right? Cause yes, you, you, exactly. you want to make that happen. You want to like find the answer. You want to see if what you're, what you believe is like real or right or true. And you actually care. And you care. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I feel like I've been extremely, extremely fortunate to, you know, not only work at places that I feel, you know, are amazing companies, amazing products, um, amazing teams, but also to work at places that I like fundamentally believe in, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I it's more than a job in the community that I was building for yeah. Glossy. And I believe so much in all of the communities that we're supporting and helping build on Geneva. And I think that is incredible because it just allows you to go so much further with like, what does your work look like? Right. I think we're in a day and age where like your job description probably only tells part of the part of the story True. in terms of your work. So, you know, continuing to press on like, what does my work look like? Because how do I believe I can make an impact here is I think the coolest thing. I agree. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank I you. I love Geneva. I loved this episode. Yay. Um, where can they find you and Geneva? So on Geneva, I mean, we, you can find me on the homeowner's home. You can find me, you can email me, you can DM me. I'm just Kim on Geneva. I'm Kim at Geneva on email or on any other social media, LinkedIn things. You can hit me up. Kim Johnson dot underscore. I think I don't actually know my Instagram is, but I think that's it. Good. Amazing. And Geneva has <laughs> an app, so it's available everywhere. 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 Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget book club is starting back up. We will be meeting in mid-February. Okay. Be sure to follow us on Instagram. Watch the podcast on YouTube. Follow us on TikTok, all that stuff. Oh, also, Property Housewife merch is available. Don't forget, everyone. I literally live in mine. My tote bag is right next to me, and I can see my trucker hat hanging up on my wall. All right, I love you guys so much, and I will talk to you next Thursday. Bye.